Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's time for Next Gen Friday. We are so excited about the future of our fellowship that we highlight the 40 and under pastors of CFM. We hope you are inspired by the deep bench of pastors and leaders coming up around the world. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Hello, everybody. How are we doing tonight? We're doing good? It's good to see you guys again. I think this one... That was that was there from the morning, but I think it's still good. I get some uh, I get dry lips whenever I speak too much. Um, so this evening, uh, if you have your Bibles, you could open up to Genesis. Uh, we're going to be reading a couple verses, but you could uh, open up to verse uh, chapter six. I'm sorry, Genesis chapter six. Uh, we'll bounce around to seven, chapter seven and eight. But if you're taking notes, or if you're hey, you have your Bible, you want to open up to Genesis. Uh, chapter, actually chapter 8, verse 1, we'll start there first. And um, as you turn there, I actually want to read a, a, certain, a different scripture. Um, tonight I want to talk about uh, a couple different things. Uh, one main topic, obviously, but maybe hit on a different little subtopics here and there. Uh, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, the Word of God says, Do not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap it if we do not lose heart. Let's pray real quick. Father God, we pray over this word, Lord God. I pray, Father God, that hearts would be open, Father God. I pray your Holy Spirit, Father God, would take over this service, Lord God, this altar call, Father God, that we can be ministered to, Lord God, that we can be challenged, Father God, and even comforted, Lord God, in this place tonight. We thank you, and we ask for your blessing in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. So, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, this verse uh, talks about doing good, 
And if you've been saved for any amount of time, or if you've lived any amount of time, you know that it's hard to do good. It's not the easiest thing to do the right thing. It's not always easy to tell the truth, especially when it's, when it's going to be at your own cost, when you're the one that's going to be on the bad end of things. It's not easy to, um, to make certain hard decisions, right decisions. It's not easy to make stands in school, in, in your workplace. It's not easy to make stands for God. But I want to talk to you tonight about a man in the book of Genesis by the name of Noah. I'm sure we all heard, we've all heard of Noah. So uh, in, uh, in Genesis chapter 8, in Genesis chapter 8, verse 1, this is, I'm sure we've read the story of Noah and the flood and all that, you know, how God uh, called Noah, how God chose Noah because of his righteousness, because of his constant, uh, his constant conviction to do good. And the Bible says that God saw favor, Noah won favor with God. But in Genesis chapter 8, verse 1, I want to read this verse, and we're going to get back to it. But um, opening up, it says, uh, Then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, the Bible says that Noah was a just man, that he walked with God, and because of that, he was spared. The Bible says that in that time, in that time, uh, in Noah's generation, he was pretty much one of the only uh, godly men of his generation. And because of his godliness, his whole family was spared. His wife, his three sons, and their wives. And there we could kind of get a picture or, or, or we can take from that how doing good or living righteous, it pays off. Even when no one sees, even when everyone else around you is not doing what you're doing. It says that Noah was a just man and he walked with God and was spared. And, he, and because of that, he was chosen to build the ark. And not only that, he was given the task to gather up all the animals, male and female. He was given the task to also repopulate the earth after God would wipe it all out. What an honor and what a, a, maybe even a challenge. Being the only man, you know, of course, including his sons, but being the only man to stand for righteousness, to stand for something that he believes in, to stand for doing good in his generation. The Bible also says in Genesis, in uh, chapter 6, I believe, that man's heart was so wicked that God felt sorry for even creating man. That he felt sorry, not, be, not, not because he didn't, he, he, he didn't cherish it, he didn't prize his creation, but because of their deeds, but because of what they constantly do. Now I want you to think for a second. God chose Noah, right? God chose Noah to build an ark. The Bible says nothing about him having any experience of how to build anything. We know that Jesus, we have a little bit of history. Jesus was a carpenter. So we have some history on some characters in the Bible. But Noah, we have no information that he even knew what a hammer was, that he knew what nails were. He knew how to build anything. We don't even know if he ever built anything in his life. But here God gives him the specific task. I want you to build. And he's not building a birdhouse. He's building an ark. 
for all, the, all these creatures and for his family to be saved from the, God's judgment. Now, can you imagine the weight that can come with something, such a task? Have you guys ever been given a task before in your life? I'm assuming we're all, when we're, when we're at work, right, we're responsible enough to at least to carry out certain tasks. And um, just my mic's on. Yes, we're on. Can you hear me? All right. So God was, uh, Noah was given this pretty intense task of building the ark. But how many know that when God gives you a task to do, when he himself gives it to you, he's going to help you get through it. And he himself gave him the blueprint how to build every, you know, how the ark was to be built. He says, I want it to be this long. I want it to be uh, 150 cupids. I want it to be this high. I want, it to, I want it to have a bottom deck, a middle deck, a higher deck. I want it to be able to, uh, to, to withstand the... I wanted to be able to withstand the, the, the flood, the, 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 the window, the gates of heaven. When I open up the gates of heaven, it needs to be able to withstand. So this, there needs to be some time. There needs to be some effort. There needs to be some a diligence that gets put into the work of God. There's a little buzzing noise. I'm not sure what that is. Um, but here we, have, here we have Noah with no experience whatsoever. There it is. Here, uh, here we have Noah with no experience whatsoever, but yet he accepts the task. He accepts the challenge, and he says, okay, God, I'll do it. And I want you guys to, to understand something that the ark, the flood, I'm sorry, this was not some kind of an outreach event that God planned. This is not something that God said, this day we're going to have this event and we're going to try to win people. No, this was something personally and only for Noah and for his family. So this wasn't some kind of outreach and the ark was the main attraction where they're coming by, people, the spectators nearby, they're coming, they're looking, wow, what's going on? No, this was specifically for Noah. God was already had in his mind, I'm, already, I'm done with everybody else. I'm done with the, the rest of mankind. But because one man chose to do good in the midst of his generation, he was spared and he was given this task. Though it might be, it might be said um, that maybe even Noah, maybe there was people around, his neighbors, maybe his, his close, some close relatives, not, not his immediate family, his wife, his children, but maybe some close relatives um, who lived around him. Maybe it, was, it could be said that he did warn people. But the Bible, God never commanded Noah to go out and to, to invite people into the ark. Can you imagine that? Sometimes we think, and we, maybe we can get this picture, at least I did. We see Noah, you know, you could think Noah's standing at the door of the ark. He's like, come in, everybody, come in. And that's not how it was at all. God said, once that ark is built, you and your family and all the animals get in, and I'm going to close the door. But when the floodwaters came, Noah was ready. He endured hard labor, mockery, and his faith in God pushed him. Hebrews Chapter 11, verse uh, 7, it says, By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he, co which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. So right here you can clearly see the faith of Noah 
pushing him. Constantly at work, and there's a faith, and there's a, some kind of a, a determination. And if you're going to be in ministry, if you're going to be, cho- and if you're, I believe each and every one of you guys were chosen by God to do a specific task. You're going to have to have some kind of determination and some kind of a, a faith that holds you down, that anchors you down. Because he had, he had his mindset on what God had called him to do. The Bible says that when Noah was 500 years old, when the first time he's mentioned in the Bible, right? 500 years old. Maybe in those days he was still considered a young buck. So, from when he's first mentioned, he's 500 years old. And the Bible says that when the ark is finally completed, when the flood is about to begin, it says that he was 600 years old. So, you could do some studying, you could read into it, you could probably try to get the exact numbers. Some people say it probably took anywhere from 60 to 80 years to actually build the ark. You could even probably even say it almost took nearly 100 years just to build this ark. 100 years is a long time. In our time, in this day and age, 100 years, I mean, most of us probably won't even live 100 years, but if we're lucky, right? But... You can see here that the plan and the will of God, it takes time. I hope it doesn't take 100 years for us. But we can, we, can truly, we can see by this that it takes time. That what God has planned, that what God has, has purposed for us in our lives is going to take some time. And it's going to take some prayer. It's going to take some dedication. It's going to take some steadfastness. Think about this. You think while Noah, while he was building this ark, you don't think there was one day that he was maybe got discouraged, that he was tired, that he maybe thought it hasn't rained in this place for years. And God's saying all of a sudden it's going to just flood. Do you think there was maybe even just an ounce of doubt that may have ran through his mind? Considering other people that may be walking by. Because I'm sure it was a sight to see the ark. If you, if, you, if you read, you study into it, the ark was probably over 450 feet long. And that's kind of like a rough estimate. So imagine that. You can't just walk past that and not ask, ask some kind of questions. Ask, hey, what's going on here? So you see people, there's always going to be people coming and mocking what God is doing. Mocking the work of God. Mocking the workers of God. The ministers of God. The people in the church. So you don't think for once that maybe Noah probably wanted to give up? You don't think once that he grew weary while doing this good task? This good deed? This deed that God had divinely given him? I think it's safe to say at least maybe one day out of those 100, out of those 100 years, one day, I think we can all agree maybe. If we put ourselves in that shoes, what would we do? Would we continue? To build that ark, probably not having any experience of what we're doing, working with our hands, probably not having anything, not knowing what to do. God, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm trusting in you. That sounds a lot like being in ministry, right? Sounds a lot like coming up here and preaching the word. Sounds a lot like going out there and outreaching, doing concerts. God, I'm not a professional musician. I try to sound good up there. I think I sound good sometimes. 
Don't grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. That's what the Bible says. 40 days of rain, God said. He said, I'm going to send 40 days of nonstop rain. Us in California, we don't know what 40 days of straight rain looks like. <laughs> if you're like me, I, I enjoy the rain. I enjoy, um, you know, being able to, I don't, I don't enjoy this hot weather. I love the rain. I love the colder weather. And I do enjoy those rainy days. But let me tell you, if it would be 40 days back to back to back, I'll be like, okay, God, I think my car is clean already. <laughs> I think it's pretty clean. I don't think it needs any more water. So it says 40 days of rain and 150 days when God opened up the, the floodgates, meaning he allowed the water, he elevated the waters and he allowed them to, you know, to cover the, the land, the dry land. 150 days of that. My question is, why so much? Why so, why so many days? God, can't you just do it like that in one day? God works differently than we do. God doesn't think the same way we do. 40 days of rain and 150 days of the, the, the elevated waters. And if, you study, and if you study Genesis, the estimated time that Noah and his family was on the ark was not approximately more so roughly, probably about 370 days, more, maybe like a year, just being on the ark. So think about this. You're 500 years old when you get commissioned to do this work, right? Then you spend roughly about another 100 years doing the work of God, what God has commanded you to do. Then you got to go through 40 days of rain, 150 days of this crazy water, uh, you know, being tossed and, and being uh, pushed back and forth, the wind going crazy. And then, all to, and then just all together being in a confined space. I mean, it's a pretty big arc, but considering all the animals, considering his family, considering everything, that, everything else that was probably in there, all their, all the, all their luggage, you know, you got to take your, <laughs> you got to take your changes of clothes, you got to take this, that, and the other thing, your hair dryer, make sure you're still looking good out there. But <laughs> over a year, just on the arc, on top of all those other years, on top of all that other time that you're preparing it's safe to say that maybe in between all those years and all those days, all those outreaches, all those prayer meetings, all those times of fasting, all those conferences, all those boot camps, it's safe to say you might get discouraged maybe one or two days out of all those years. You might grow a little weary. That's just human nature. We get tired of doing good. Really? Yes. Even of doing good, we get tired. Why do I have to keep on doing good, God? Why do I have to keep on forgiving my brother? Why do I have to keep on forgiving this person? Why do I have to be the bigger person and take the first step and take initiative and go up and talk to them? Why do I have to do what's good? Sometimes it doesn't seem rewarding in the moment. Because doing good in due season, if you do not lose heart, you will reap. This morning, Craig picked up the offering. He says, whatever, you know, if you reap it spiritually, you're going to, that's what you're going to get. Whatever you sow, sorry, whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. And the same thing goes, whatever you put into this life, whatever you put into relationships, whatever you put into ministry, whatever you put into your time with God, that's what you're going to get out. 
whatever you're sowing, if you're sowing spiritually, that's what you're going to reap. But the Bible says, don't lose heart of doing good. Now think about this. This is just a bunch of my thoughts as I was reading. I'm just writing these questions down, and I want to share these with you. I wonder if Noah had, be, had, had he started to doubt God. I just spoke about, uh, he, what about if he started growing weary? Did he complain? Did he try to jump ship, uh, compromising the entire plan of God? These are things you could think of. You're going to be on a boat. You, he was on a boat, right, his ark with his family. He probably got up to here with his, some of his family members, being around them so long. That doesn't happen to any of us, though, right? So he's on the boat, right? He's on the ark. And think about that. A year straight. You don't ever, like, you don't think, obviously the rain stopped. It wasn't, it wasn't constant rain for that whole year. It was only 40 days, 40 nights that, that God said he was going to send that rain. So after the rain stops, right, maybe the, maybe the sun, it was cloudy, I don't know, maybe the sun was out. But he's probably, the Bible says that he built a window on the ark. God told him, and I want you to build a window, up, you know, on the ark. So it's safe to say from time to time, Noah, Noah maybe came across, he walked up to the, to the, to the window He's probably looking outside. He's probably thinking, this is just me trying to understand, trying to get, trying to, my imagination just kind of playing things out, right? Us, human nature, we can start to complain. I never, I've been on a boat maybe for, uh, for an hour, two hours, and that was like way too much for me. I'm a, la I'm a land creature. I don't, and I prefer to stay on the land. I don't want to be on, you know. I'm not much of a beach person either. I noticed that really quick. I go to the beach and I'm getting the water. And for like 10 minutes, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. Time to go. But think about, think about Noah. He's looking out. He's thinking, did God forget about me? Did God forget about me and this ark and my family and all these animals that are now, I'm now responsible for? I don't even like animals. What about if Noah would have said he was thinking? In ministry sometimes. God's giving you the task. Go follow up on someone. Go reach out to somebody. I don't even like people, God. I don't even like the people. Sometimes we can, we can get an attitude like that, right? Sometimes. But what about, you know, Noah started maybe doubting God. The Bible doesn't specifically say he did. What about if maybe he became anxious? Did God, you know, start getting, you know, depressed? Started getting, you know, um, just fearful. Did I make the right decision? Maybe it was better off that I just didn't even build the ark. Maybe I should have just stayed with the rest and just things would have been. Think about the children of Israel. Right. When Moses let them out of Egypt. Right. A couple, just, you know, some time into the wilderness. They're free. They're not under the oppression of Pharaoh anymore. But think about it. They still found a way to complain. They still found a way to say, what'd you bring us out here for, Moses, to die? We're better off in Egypt. At least we got three square meals a day. At least we had a place to sleep. Here you got us sleeping on rocks and, 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 and sleeping next to snakes and all, and, and all this craziness. Our human nature is to complain. Human nature is to doubt, to grow weary. But through all this time, the Bible never says that he, did, that he, he, you know, he didn't, that he, he didn't waver. 
Sometimes just being in the ark, sometimes just being in the will of God, all you got to do is sometimes just wait, wait things out. Going back to Genesis chapter uh, 8. Genesis chapter 8 verse 1 says, Then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters subsided. When I read that verse, it makes me happy to know that God mentioned Noah first and not the animals. It would be weird if, if it said, then God remembered every living creature and the animals in the ark, and then he remembered Noah too. Because it's not the animals in the ark that's going to carry out the purposes of God. Because it's not the chickens and the, the ox and the buffaloes and this creature and that creature that's going to do the will of God. Because it's you and me that's going to do the will of God. Because it's you and I are the ones that instead of building the ark, God's saying, help me build my church. And though it may be a little different in our generation, we're... The invitation is not only for us, but the invitation is for everyone else this time. But God is saying, because God, we find favor with God, right? Why? I don't know. God has mercy on whom he has mercy on. Maybe because our family, because our godly parents. Maybe because God just wants to have mercy upon, upon your life. And he's saying, come help me build, build this church. Be a part of what I'm doing in this generation. And then God, and then uh, Genesis says, God remembered Noah and every living thing. I want to focus real quick um, how the Bible says that God remembered every living thing. So when God mentions Noah, he doesn't necessarily specifically have to mention his wife and his kids and their wives. Because that goes along with Noah. But I found it interesting to note that God also remembered the creatures. God also remembered, sometimes we think they're probably not as important, which is true. They're not as important as, as Noah and his family. But think about this. As Noah was on the ark, right, I just mentioned sometime maybe it might have crossed his mind. Maybe he was getting a little scared. Maybe he was, he was thinking God have forgotten him. But in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, uh, Matthew 6, 25 and 26, the Bible says, Therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is life not more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which one of you by worrying can add one cupid to his stature? If you read that verse, you find that comforting to know that if God cares for even the creatures, even if God cares for every single animal and living thing that was on that ark, how can God not care about you? How can God forget about you, the one he made his covenant with, the one he gave his promises to? He didn't give his promises to the birds, but he gave it to you and I. 
John 10.10. Jesus gives life. Let me read that scripture real quick. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So as I, when, I, when I read this verse that God remembered Noah and all the creatures and every living thing that was on the ark, God didn't just spare Noah and give him his family, right? He had his blessing. He had his wife. He had his children. He had, you know, their wives and soon his, their grandchildren and great-grandchildren until they repopulate the earth, right? He had all that. But one thing you need to understand is that when you decide to do the will of God, when you say yes to building the ark, when you say yes to building the church, that it comes with so much more than what, what, with what you came with. The Bible says that God remember Noah and all the living creatures. Jesus says, I give life and life in abundance, more than you could even imagine, more than what you put into the kingdom, more. That's what Jesus gives. That's what God gives. And I'm sure we can all stand up here and testify about what, how much more God has given to us. You can't outgive God. We've heard it said. We take up offerings. We give to the kingdom of God. But how much more does God give to us? Right? So you can imagine Noah stepping off of the ark with his family. The, triumph, the triumphal exit from the ark. And he has all the animal kingdom riding behind him, saying, yeah, all this is his mine right here. This is the abundance that God gave me. This is, this is everything that God has given to me, that God gave to Adam. And he gave him the responsibility to care for it, to care for the land, to care for the animals. But now it's, this is what Jesus, what God has given to me. Now you got to consider, what is it that God, that's God, that God has given to you? I'm not talking about necessarily your finances. I'm not talking about your nice car that you have. I'm not talking about the nice clothes you wear. I'm talking about the deeper things, the spiritual things, the peace that only God gives. You see, the reason why I, I just want to point all this out to you is that God gives all these things, but all you got to do is not grow weary in doing good. Let me read it one more time. Galatians 6, 9. Do not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. The Old Testament talks about Solomon. We know King Solomon. One of the wealthiest, wisest kings to ever live. And this man was so wealthy. This man was, was so blessed by God. He had so much of an abundance of things. He had gold. He had, you know, he had the, the palace. He had all sorts of things. He had cattle. He had things to trade. He was a man of business because he chose to do the will of God for, for a moment, right? But I want to point out to you guys tonight as I close that it pays off to do good, to live righteously, because when you do your good deeds in the dark, when you do those good deeds when no one is seen, or you do those good deeds before man where no one else sees, God is the one that, 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 that is going to reward you openly, the Bible says. God is the one that, that, that sees those things when no one is there. When you make it to prayer, 
when you're at work trying to reach out to your coworkers, when you're contending for someone, when you're fasting, when you're praying, when you're just reflecting the very image of God, the very character of God, it pays off even though it doesn't seem like it in the moment. Because if you read the story of Noah, if you read his, if you read, if you study Genesis 6, 7, and 8, you'll see that it takes time. It takes time doing the will of God, being called, doing the will of God, and then reaping the blessing of it. It's a process. It's a process serving God. Sometimes it's a struggle. Sometimes it's hard getting up Sunday morning, making it to church. Sometimes it's hard coming to the, to the midweek uh, service. Sometimes it's hard coming to the outreaches and to all the events that we do. But let me tell you what, don't grow weary while doing good. Because if you do not, if you don't lose heart, you will reap if you do not lose heart. If we could have every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.